Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives of feel good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Betty and the Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. And this past month, I took a fun trip to St. Kitts in the Caribbean. So we have some stories from there. The music for this episode is from a local band at a fun beach bar called the Shiggity Shack. And in this episode, we have stories about drunken monkeys, broken zippers, penguins, an airplane called shorts, honking Cro-Magnum foreheads, snakes, and tugboats. Let's just get on with the show. Okay, so something happened on one of your flights? Yeah, right before we got boarded up, I had to use the restroom, and I broke the zipper in my pants. Did you know you broke it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going pretty fast, and I kept the zipper in my hand. The point was, I didn't, um, I didn't bring my apron, and I didn't bring my sweater, so I kept trying to close it up and keep it closed. Well, on the MDA, I had to do the demo equipment. Because you can't stand there holding your... <laughs> no. So as soon as I raise my hands to do <laughs> the point, yeah, my zipper comes wide open. And of course, that day I decided to t- wear t- tidy whities so you can see that bullseye right down there. <laughs> and everybody kept pointing at it and pointing at it. They and it was like, yeah, because your zipper's, I was like, yeah, I know. Your zipper, I, I know. <laughs> so I ended up wearing this flat, my flight leader sweater. As an apron, yeah, while I was doing the service and through the concourse because, of course, of all days wearing white underwear. But what I think is funny is you're pointing out the exits and they were pointing pointing out out on my crutch (laughs) to let me know my zippers. I'm like, I know, I was there, I broke it myself. (laughs) Is this a real story? Yes, it is. Okay, but it involves penguins? Penguins. They picked up penguins from Antarctica and they were bringing them to a zoo. And they decided, the captain thought, oh, this will be real cute. We'll have the penguin sit in the captain's seat. <laughs> and they put the hat on him. And Wait, to take a picture? 
Yes, they took pictures, and lo and behold, guess what? The penguin wouldn't get out of the captain's seat, so he had to relinquish his power to the penguin. No, wait, this is a true story. This is a true story. It happened on Pan Am many, many years ago on one of their cargo flights. It was a cargo flight. So they weren't underneath. Were the penguins underneath, or...? I think believe they were in a ca- the cabin, the above cabin. Like, I'm sorry, I got to ask you how many how many penguins? Do you have any idea? I don't know how many penguins. <laughs> I'd like to have a cabin full of penguins, wouldn't you? Yes, but they get pretty wild, so you have to be really careful. <laughs> and I don't know where he took the plane, whether he landed where they were supposed to or not. <laughs> so penguins in the cockpit, pilot penguins in the cockpit. cockpit. They kind of look the same. They wear the white shirt and the black pants, so they kind of... Same uniform. Yes. (laughs) So my trip to St. Kitts, it was really nice. It was kind of like a quote-unquote normal person's vacation. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if that sounds good or bad, but uh, lots of times I take sort of adventurous trips and um, sort of out of the way places like that. My last trip was to Madagascar, but this was to St. Kitts. It's a beautiful Caribbean island and it was uh, relaxing and the water was gorgeous and there was good snorkeling, but it wasn't as like sort of um, crazy as some of the trips I take. But sometimes, you know, that's sort of what the doctor ordered. I've been I'd been real busy the last few months um, writing and almost finishing my second book. So that's exciting. But I was kind of, you know, working full time and doing the podcast. I was just getting a little, sometimes you get a little overwhelmed. So, you know, a week in the Caribbean was really, really nice. But it wasn't without its stories. Um, I do a lot of walking when I'm on vacation, just because lots of times I don't rent a car. Uh, on this trip, I actually did rent a car for a couple days. But for most of the time, I don't rent a car. It's kind of expensive. And it's also, uh, it's scary to me to drive on the other side of the road, especially when there's, they they have more monkeys than people in St. Kitts. And I I can get very interested in strange subjects. <laughs> now, I know this subject's on every podcast you're listening to this week. They're going to be talking about monkeys and monkey origins <laughs> and monkey alcoholics. But the monkeys, I was fascinated with the monkeys before I even got to St. Kitts because one of the reasons why I chose it is when I, when I saw they had more monkeys than people. That seemed sort of right up my alley. You know, all those stories I was talking about, the lemurs. <laughs> from my last trip to Madagascar. And you know, the lemurs and the monkeys, they're sort of in the same animal family. And I didn't talk about, in all of my Madagascar stories, I didn't talk about how some lemurs in Madagascar like alcohol. Um, I was at this this bar in a, it was part of the forest that had lemurs. And the guy, the bartender was telling me that some lemurs, like to drink alcohol they will literally like take a wine glass and with two hands and drink (laughs) and he told me that some lemurs like alcohol and some don't sort of just like people you know how we're related monkeys and people and so I did some research on the monkeys of St. Kitts before I went and sure enough there's some alcoholic monkeys on St. Kitts (laughs) and according to the internet they confirmed what my bartender in Madagascar said. He said, yeah, 
it's weird. He said some monkeys like the alcohol and some don't. Some some like it somewhat, some like it too much, and some don't drink it at all. And he said what they do is they must have started drinking it because they like fruit. And there's a lot of people drinking fruity type drinks at at the beach or at beach bar. So, you know, when they go for a swim or whatever, the monkey will come and, you know, partake. And if you go on the internet, I'll actually put some pictures on my website. But it's funny because you'll see these pictures of monkeys with their nose and these (laughs) fruity beach drinks. (laughs) Okay, but it wasn't just the alcoholic monkey thing that interests me. My main thought was, why are there monkeys on St. Kitts and its sister island, Nevis, whereas there's all these other islands in the Caribbean that don't have monkeys? So I assumed before I went that the monkeys were like Central American monkeys. You know, there's there's monkeys in Costa Rica or in Belize, but you know, we don't have monkeys. So I figured some somebody must have brought monkeys there. But no, that's not the, that's not it. I asked the locals and then I confirmed it later when I got back. They are African monkeys on St. Kitts and they came over on the slave ships. Um, I find this very curious because if they were on the slave ships, well, slave ships went all over the Caribbean and they certainly were came here in the South and the United States. So why don't we have monkeys that came over on the slave ships? Um, and why don't the other Caribbean islands have monkeys? I found it very curious. I really couldn't get a good answer from anybody I asked. Some people said, well, maybe they hunted the monkeys. Maybe they ate the monkeys. Um, I didn't get a good answer. So if anybody out there knows why <laughs> there are these <laughs> African monkeys on St. Kitts and Nevis and not in the other areas that also would have been receiving lots of slave ships, let me know. Because I, I do find it interesting. But I did. I was visiting this fort, the Brimstone Fort in St. Kitts. It was very, very impressive. It's nice when a place has some history too, not just, you know, beautiful water but um i was at this fort and there was like a little museum in there and they they had some displays about the monkeys and they said actually we owe a debt of thanks to the saint kitts and nevis monkeys because i guess um those were the monkeys they used for the polio vaccine um so wow so um thanks to the saint kitts monkeys i enjoyed them but actually when i was driving there they would they would run out you know you know, we'll have squirrels run across the road here. Well, there'd be monkey and monkey families crossing the road, which is scary when you're driving on the wrong side of the road. But anyway, I liked the monkeys. <laughs> and it was a fun time. Okay, so something happened to you? Oh, yes, y'all won't believe this. I was on the back end of a beverage cart, just, you know, serving drinks like this 95 year old man takes his false teeth out into my aisle in the aisle right at my butt and goes I'm gonna bite your bottom I'm gonna bite your bottom (laughs) and he drops it I take that beverage cart crunch 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 oh I'm sorry we ran over your teeth that's okay sweetie picks them up puts them back in his mouth they're all cracked and in like you know 40 looking ugly pieces never heard a word about it but that was my, I'm going to bite your bottom story. I'm going to bite I'm your bottom. I'm going to bite your bottom. <laughs> 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 this is 
Okay, so you used to fly a... I used to fly an airplane called the Shorts 330. Why would they name an airplane that? It was built by Short, Shorts Brothers on well, Belfast Island. Shorts Brothers built boats before oh, they built airplanes. Yeah, yeah. And then back in the 20s and 30s, they built some of the big flying boats. Yeah. You know, the big... Uh, like clippers. Clippers, that sort yeah. of thing. And the 330 kind of looks like, almost like a boat. The, the way that the uh, fuselage is shaped. So some of the fun things we used to do with... You're flying the shorts. So I'm flying the shorts out of Guam, flying it between Guam and the other Mar uh, islands in the Marianas. And so it's almost all over water flying. Yeah. So we'd get a new flight attendant, which was usually a young native, yeah. you know, uh, Chamorro people in Guam are called Chamorros. And um, so I'd say, you know what, if we have to ditch, if we actually have to land in the water for any reason, you don't have to worry about the airplane. There's no way we're going to drown. And so they would always say, oh, because it'll float like a boat. And they'd say, no, because the sharks will get us first. <laughs> they never liked that. No. I thought you were going to say something about being in your shorts. No, no, no. Now, it was always the other airplanes that you would hear, you know, asking you, hey, when it rains, uh, it, what's it like to fly in wet shorts? Yeah. And you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, wet shorts. Yeah. Yeah. I bet so, you they came up with all kind of shorts things. Yeah. Things like that, but you know, I used I used to tell them that you know that sharks would get us first, which was probably true out there, and um, or we would tell them if we had to ditch, that what they needed to do was open the two forward emergency exit doors and get their two biggest, strongest-looking guys and sit them in the very front seats right by those doors, and then pull the carpet up off the uh, floor down the aisle and open up the lockers underneath and get out the two big oars. <laughs> And we had we had some of them believing that there were actually oars underneath the floor for months and months before yeah, they figured you know, of out course. that they didn't exist. Yeah, the mandatory oars. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the overwater kit. Yeah, the, the oars. <laughs> so when I got to St. Kitts, I was doing a lot of walking and... I mean, I didn't walk a couple blocks before somebody honked at me and I was thinking, oh, am, you know, they drive on the other side of the road. Should I be walking on the other side of the road? Uh, I walked a little bit further and somebody else honked at me and I thought, oh, should I not be walking on the pavement? Should I be walking in the dirt? Um, I, I, I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong. But then I started walking on the dirt and sure enough, the next person honked at me. And, you know, it wasn't you know, you could think, well, maybe it's like um, like when someone whistles <laughs> from a construction site, maybe they're flirting. But both men and women were honking at me. <laughs> it took me, it took me a couple days until I finally figured out, and then I confirmed it with a local, that a honk is like a hello. It's like a friendly thing. Everybody honks at everyone. It's like the exact opposite of us, you know, like where we honk, or give someone the finger, you know, or some harsh words if, you know, um, it's just, that's like the same as honking here, where, and you know, we use it very sparingly. It's like a, a shout, you know, it's bad. I hardly ever honk, you know, somebody has to do something pretty wrong for me to honk. <laughs> but in St. Kitts, it's like a simple, friendly greeting. I never did figure out, so what do they do, you know, in anger. What do they do if somebody cuts them off or something? Because they can't honk because that's a, a friendly hello. What do they do? Like uh, blow a kiss or something? I could, couldn't figure out all the opposites there with the honking and sinkings. kids. 
drinking our free glass of wine and the co-pilot asked her well you know tell us some of your stories you know because she started flying like in the early 60s you know golden days yes and she's you know tell us some of your story tell us some of your you know funny stories who did you meet and then she was you know she said well you know in like 1967 <laughs> and, 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 and he's like what he says i was born in that he says i was born in no he says i was uh Two years old in 1967 and she looks at him like like excuse me and he goes I was an older two years old <laughs> <laughs> I was an old very old too. I was older too so then uh, he was sitting next to me I turned around and I told him I said I wasn't born until 1970 <laughs> but he says I mean the way she looked at him like this you he are says, a gleam in yeah, your father's eye. Yeah, and then he says, he he puts up his finger. He says, I was an older too. Don't you worry. So on my trip to St. Kitts, I did a lot of snorkeling. It's really one of my favorite things to do. I just love seeing all the different fish and all the colors. It's kind of like going to a different world. And I did a ton of snorkeling. And I don't know if I wear my snorkel mask too tight or it's just because of how much snorkeling I was doing. But I, I never sort of would be able to get rid of that crease that goes across your forehead. So instead of having like tennis elbow, I had snorkel forehead. And uh, let me tell you that Cro-Magnum forehead look is uh, really attractive. Um, New York to Tel Aviv, okay? And there's this passenger and he came up and he asked the flight attendant, he says, Miss, he says, I want to know, is there any male flight attendants on board? And the flight attendant told him, no, sir, we're all females. Then he proceeded to tell her, Miss, I want to know if you guys are on your monthly. Oh, yeah. And she says, she says, I'll come back. I'll let you know. So she comes back to him and she says, sir, we are all on our monthly. <laughs> so he sat there for, what, 10, 11 hours, didn't drink or eat anything. We're all in sync. <laughs> So I got this fun email from a listener named Charles, and he said that he just wanted to drop a note to tell me how much he and his son enjoy my podcast. He said his son's name is B, and he's eight years old, and every time we get in the car, the first thing he says is, did you download any new Bettys? <laughs> I'm sorry. That just seems so funny to me, or so sweet. Did you download any new Bettys? <laughs> We are, we both enjoy traveling and he is really into planes. So it is great that we can share your adventures, especially when we can't find time to go on our own. Dinner time has become an unofficial podcast recap time when he shares the crazy stories, my crazy stories, from the podcast with his mom and grandpa. Uh, 
I was a missionary in Thailand. When oh, you were a missionary? When I was younger, yes. Were you a pilot then? No, that was before I became a pilot. I actually became a pilot because after living in Thailand for nearly two years, I decided I didn't want to be a banker when I grew up. Yeah. So Makes sense. I came home and finally decided to do something that would allow me to travel. Yeah. And so here I am now. Yeah. Makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> okay, so something happened while you were... Where, what part of Thailand were you in? Okay. We were working um, just outside of Bangkok, just north of Bangkok, on the, the big river that runs through Bangkok, which is the Chao Phraya River. We're teaching in a school, in an elementary school, in the evenings, several people teaching them English. One evening we got done, and as I said, it was at the end of the rainy season, and the river was flooded. I mean, it was way beyond flood stage. Uh, so much so that the water came up about halfway up the steps into the school. Yeah. And so we would get back into town in the evening by coming down onto the river and waiting for a water taxi that was headed back to town after dropping somebody off upriver. And we would use a flashlight and flag them down and they would come over, pick us up and take us back into town. So we're standing, we, we actually go down through the water. We wade through the water, it's about mid-thigh deep. Yes. And then up onto a floating dock we flag down a taxi, water taxi, which pulls over next to the dock. And as we're standing there, dealing with the driver to try to get the best price yes. back into town. Bargaining. Bargaining. The water, there's about a foot of water between the boat and the dock, and it starts to ripple. And so I look down, the flashlight's still on, pointing down into the water, and all of a sudden, a great big snakehead comes up out of the water. Snake, How big is snakehead? Um, the head was longer than my hand, really? from my wrist to my fingers. And what I could see of the snake, which was only about the first foot and a half of its body because of the muddy water, Ooh. it was about eight inches in diameter where it disappeared yes. into the murk. And so I was new in Thailand and still learning the language, so I said one word, and that was the word snake in Thai. I did know the word for snake, so I said snake. And everybody else looks down and sees the snake, and then there's a lot of talking and excitement and the snake decides he doesn't need to be there and he just slips back down into the water and disappears. Well, you had just so been walking through that water, we right? had just We had just waded through the water on the other side, opposite side of the dock to get onto the dock two or three minutes before this. Yeah. It didn't really bother me. I grew up around a lot of snakes. I grew up in Texas and so we had snakes everywhere. But we get in the boat, we're heading back to town and the guy that I was working with was sitting in the boat right ahead of me. And as we go skimming across the water, getting back to town, I can see him in the moonlight. I can see his jaw moving, like he's saying something to me, but I can't hear him over the motor. So I, I get up right behind him. I can lean forward right behind him and say to him, I can't hear what you say. And he turns around. And in the moonlight, I can see that he is just as white as a sheet. And his eyes are like half dollars, you know. Just, and he just looks at me and he goes, Jeff, that was a big snake. <laughs> that was a really big snake. A really, really big snake. Snake. <laughs> and I was like, well, haven't you ever seen a big snake before? And he goes, 
No, that was a really, really? big really? snake. <laughs> and it took me a week to get him back out there again. Really? Yeah, I did. He did not want to go back because he did not want to get back in that yeah, water. Yeah, in that water, which makes sense. It's, but how long do you think it would have been? Do you have any idea? I do have an idea. Because when I came back home to the States, about two years later, I happened to go to the zoo and I happened to see a snake that was exactly the same kind of snake. And, and, um, and it looked like it was about the same size that what I could see of the head and the right. front end of the snake in the, in the zoo. So I found one of the workers at the herpetarium in the yeah. zoo and asked how long their snake was. It was a Burmese python and he said theirs was 17 feet long. Oh my gosh. So yours was probably a Burmese python. So ours was, a, it was definitely a Burmese python. The markings were very distinctive on the back of the head. I, I knew what kind of snake it was. And it was probably close to 17 feet And did long. you go back and get in that water? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're, you had a mission to do, right? Exactly. I was there to, to, for a mission, and I, I was there to you do it. That's do what it. I snakes did. Or, snakes and all. Smile at the rising sun. Okay, so I was on a flight from Lima yeah. and I was doing the forms, okay? And I always make my PA and I always tell the passengers, I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna go out through the cabin with the documents. If you are a US citizen, all you need is the customs form, a US citizen, US resident, or Canadian resident. And if you have a visa, a tourist visa, whatever type of visa, you need the I-94 form, okay? So I'm going through the aisles, giving out the forms, and I to this young lady she says oh miss she's telling me in Spanish she says oh miss she says I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm like sorry for what she says miss I do not have a visa so I'm thinking to myself okay well how'd she get on this airplane <laughs> and she says miss would you please take a MasterCard <laughs> <laughs> If you like the show and you want to support the show, you can go to my website, bettingthesky.com, and click on any of the Amazon links, and anything you purchase, I get a tiny percentage. And you know, I was thinking about this the other day. It's really almost too good to be true. I don't know how long the Amazon affiliate program is going to last because I was just talking with some flight tenants and we were talking taxes because it's had just been tax season. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I had to pay taxes for um, Amazon. And they were like, Oh, well, what were you selling? And I'm like, uh, I wasn't selling anything. And they're like, Well, why would you have to pay taxes? And I'm like, Well, I made money from Amazon. And they're like, Well, how did you make money from Amazon? If you're not selling anything? And I'm like, Well, I basically then had to explain the whole process. But they're looking at me like, so you didn't sell anything, you didn't have to ship anything, but you made a commission. <laughs> like, yeah, that's basically it. And basically, it's from all the nice people who listen to my show that, uh, and it's great that I don't have to ask you to buy anything. It's just if you're gonna buy something on Amazon anyway, if you click through my site, I get a little percentage. Thank you very much. Okay, so what was that? Yes, I was on a flight um, to Lima. And I had this passenger, he stopped me, he says, he's telling me, he says in Spanish, he says, ay, señorita, señorita. I said, yes, sir. He says, I must tell you, he says, your eyes are so beautiful. He says, I said, thank you. He says, where do you get them from? He says, your mom's side or your dad's side? I said, oh, thank you, sir. I said, but I get them from Vision Works. <laughs>
local guys offered to, you know, show me the sights on St. Kitts, and I turned them down, you know, for any number of reasons. First, the cost, and second, you know, I prefer to venture out and explore on my own. And then third, there's also a weird thing that, you know, sometimes you're not sure if if there's, you know, a hint of flirting on their part, and I don't want to, like, spend the day with someone who uh, I'm not interested in and be worried about them possibly hitting on me. Anyway, I wanted to see things on my own, and I, I tend to get more enjoyment out of something when I find it on my own instead of somebody who knows where it is showing it to me. You know, maybe that's just me. But I wanted to see this sunken tugboat in um, White House Bay. I they had told me where it was, and I had a map, so I knew where White House Bay was. So I go down this this dirt road and this little rental car that I had, and it, it scares me because there's, you know, you you could really hurt someone if you're driving on the side of the road. So basically, I would. <laughs> and there were crowded streets, and you know, animals darting across, and uh, so I had to keep singing to myself the song, like in the movie Meatballs, um, you know, to the left, to the left. Except for I would leave out to the left, right, left. So I'd be driving down the road, going to the left, to the left, to the left. <laughs> okay, so then I get to this dirt road and that says White House Bay and there's an arrow and there's uh, just a deserted parking lot there's no people and it's kind of a rocky beach it's not a sandy beach and I wasn't sure you know it's kind of scary when there's a bunch of rocks because um, you don't know you don't want to cut yourself on the rocks or anything but there there wasn't anyone around except for some boats parked out um in the bay but there was a guy uh look he was about to go out on a on a paddle boat and i i stopped him because i was thinking i don't know when another person is going to be here and i'm like hey 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 where's where's the sunken tugboat and he basically pointed in the direction and he's like over there so and then he left and there's nobody around and i'm thinking oh i don't know you know they always tell you don't snorkel alone um but i don't usually mind snorkeling alone but i'm sort of in a general vicinity of other people but there were no other people and I was like, I was sitting there, you know, I put my stuff on the rocks and I was like going, I, I really want to see the tugboat. Um, so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. <laughs> and uh, earlier I was saying, you know, there were any number of people that offered to guide me and I could have done that. And that would have been easy, right? I wouldn't have to worry about going out on the rocks by myself or snorkeling alone. But when you forego a guide, I basically was thinking to myself, when you forego a guide, well, there's a good chance there will be blood. <laughs> just, you just have a greater chance of hurting yourself. So sure enough, I cut myself in two places on the rocks trying to scramble out. There's probably, I think most of the people that go to see the tugboat probably come they jump off a boat so they don't have to co go in off the shore where the rocky beach was. But I, I made it, you know, with just two scrapes and two cuts and some blood. <laughs> but then I got out there and, you know, I'm swimming along. I was trying to do a grid like I've done before, trying to find this sunken tugboat. I was thinking, I don't know, it's just me, but tugboat? I was thinking small, small boat, you know. Um, but this was a gigantic <laughs> tugboat and it wasn't uh it wasn't sunk sometimes they sink things on purpose to make a reef but this apparently it was in a storm and it got washed there so it was this giant tugboat and I 
it looked like a movie set to me. I, I was snorkeling around by myself and I kept putting my head up. I wanted to go, oh, look at this. Oh my gosh, it's a giant boat. And sure enough, there were a lot of fish. I saw a lionfish. They're not, they're like bad fish. They're not indigenous, but they're, gosh, are they beautiful. They look like they have all these wings. Um, They're just, it was gorgeous. But anyway, I, I was just basically snorkeling around, shocked that I could have this place all to myself, this giant sunken boat, and I found it myself, and I, I sure I bled. <laughs> but you know, there is just something, there's just some satisfaction in finding something on your own. But you know, when you do forego the guide, there's a good chance there will be blood. That's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. And you know, I think you should go and download some Bettys. <laughs> Hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, man.